Hey, uh, today we're in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And we're going to kind of do just a few sermons from the Gospels here the next few weeks. And then we're going to start a new series uh, uh, towards the end of the month. And uh, we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham. But I wanted to mix in some of the Gospel uh, for us here at the start of the year. And especially today, uh, I think it's very important and pressing for us to, to hear uh, from our Lord and Savior through um, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. If you have your Bible, will you turn there with me and follow along? And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, har- into his harvest. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and affection, care, Lord, that you are our ultimate shepherd, and that you love us, and you care for us, and you're, you're, you're with us all along the way. Lord, it's been a great week here at the church, and a lot of exciting things going on, and we thank you for this uh, unshackled uh, capital campaign that we have going on, and the success that we've seen in the last just, just few weeks and months, and Father, I pray that you would just continue to bless that ministry. I pray for the, the events that are happening this week and for the prayer, uh, the 24 hours of prayer for Wednesday nights that are starting back up, for our mission team that's leaving uh, a week from today. Father, I, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless our church, our ministry, and help us to accomplish the mission that you have set out for us, to love God, love others, and serve the world. And Father, I, um, I know that today we have... We've, we came here and uh, maybe not looking for an event to go to, but to worship you. And so, Father, I pray that as we center our attention to your word, that you would give us the grace that we need to worship you in spirit and in truth. Allow for us to hear a message from you. Father, I pray that your word would penetrate and that it would pierce our hearts and allow for us to know truth. Lord, I I recognize that I have a part in this, and so if you would, Lord, forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life, and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, uh, I pray there's someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of their salvation a day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here that may be struggling or going through hardships or um, just uncertain of what the next step is in their life, I pray that you would give them the direction they need to be the believer that you called them to be, to do the things that you called them to do. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. When I was a, a junior in high school, uh, I, uh, 
I worked at a, a Chevrolet dealership, and uh, my dad got me the job. I think I've, I've shared this with you before. I did this odds and ends. I would wash cars. I would clean the shop. I would uh, take cars to the gas station to fill them up with gas. You know, I did whatever they told. I was got a, a grunt, you know. Uh, and I remember one day we were at break, and one of the mechanics said, hey, Jeff, there's a food truck outside if you want to go get some food. And I said, a what? He said, it's a food truck. It's like a pickup truck with food in the back. He sells, this guy just sells food out of the back of his pickup truck. And I'm from a small town, and I had no idea what kind of sorcery this was. And so I <laughs> walked outside just to see what it was. You know, I mean, it was literally a, an S10 pickup with a cab on the back. And the guy was selling food to the mechanics, you know. And 20 years later, 20, well, more than 20 years later, but... Um, you fast forward, I pastor a church, and now we have Food Truck Fridays, you know, and it, we don't think anything about it, right? I mean, it's just one of those sayings for restaurants to be mobile. That's just one of those sayings where we're used to it now. Friends, being mobile shouldn't be a difficult thing for us to understand, right? If I could go back to my junior year just one more time, or actually, I'm a, let's just stay there for a second. I didn't have a cell phone when I was in high school. No one did, right? Our, our family had one phone. It was a cord, a cord, it had like a cord on it, right? It wasn't cordless. And it was in the center of our house. And so when I wanted to call my girlfriend, guess what I had to do? I had to call her around all my family and friends. And let me tell you, as the youngest, that's not a, that's not a phone call you want to make, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... I remember one time our, our power was out in our house and I had to drive 15 miles to town with a sack full of quarters to make a, a, a payphone phone call to make plans on Friday night. You know what I mean? It's just like, but now we all have cell phones, right? A mobile phone. We take it, I mean, raise your hand if you have a phone with you today. Or maybe the better thing is raise your hand if you don't have one. Like that might be, yes. We all, I mean, we all, I was talking to Ryan here a few weeks ago, and you don't? No. Broke last night. Well, <laughs> listen, what happens on your wedding night stays at your wedding night, okay? Listen. <laughs> listen, let's just move on from that conversation, okay? <laughs> so here's the deal. How do I bring this back okay when I was in high school I, I wrestled and on Saturday you would like I would wrestle like five matches on a Saturday not I mean I didn't think twice about it three weeks ago I, I wrestled a, a high school boy for like five minutes and my neck has been hurting ever since right I just it hasn't been the same you remember when you were mobile <laughs> agile you could bend and turn and move and now you wake up and like, how did I, like what happened to me in the middle of the night, you know? I'm, friends, years ago, some of you were mobile. It shouldn't be difficult for you to understand. I, uh, I, I want you to know that God has created us to be mobile people. We're not created to sit around and to be sedentary. We're created to be mobile, to move to go from one place to the next, to get up, to walk, 
to move. Don't believe me, look at this ministry of Jesus that we see today in our passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 9, starting verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. What was Jesus doing here? Three things, right? He was teaching the word of God. He was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he was ministering to the needs. He was healing the sick, the afflicted. Where was he doing it? Where was Jesus preaching, teaching, healing? He was going throughout all the cities and villages. If you read through the Gospels, but especially just like the, Ma- the Gospel of Matthew, if you, if you took time today, which wouldn't take you all that long if you did, or even this week, and you read Matthew's Gospel, you would see that, I mean, throughout each chapter, throughout each passage, Jesus is going from town to town, from town to town. He doesn't just stay in one church, friends. He doesn't just stay in one city, but he's going from villages to villages, to villages, and he's preaching and teaching in their synagogues. And he's sharing with them the word of God. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's teaching them. He's, he's healing their sick. A little historical context. Before the Jews were exiled, all the Jews would, lived within 100 miles of Jerusalem. They worshiped at the center at the temple of Jerusalem. But when they went into captivity, things changed. They began to gather together in synagogues, and it, t- it took 10 Jewish men for a synagogue to be developed, built. And they were building these synagogues all over the place. Large cities had multiple. They would be by rivers, by, on hills. Uh, many of them, these synagogues, they didn't have a roof. They would have, like a, they would have a, a big pole and the reason they didn't have a roof was because when the people worshipped, they wanted to look to the heavens and they wanted to see, they wanted to look to their God. The pole was like our, our steeple. You know, you go around St. Joe, you don't have to, I mean, you can see our steeple in many different places from far away, right? And people know, hey, that's White Park. That's the reason they would have these poles. They would, so people would know, Jews would come into that village, that town, and they would see that pole and they would know, hey, that's the place where we would go to worship. So Jesus is going to these local synagogues, town by town, village by village, synagogue by synagogue, teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He's healing the sick. He's teaching God's word. Not a lot's changed, right? <laughs> 2,000 years go on and we're still preaching, teaching, and serving those who are in need. That's the role of the church, friends. Not much has changed. Preach God's word, teach God's word, proclaim the gospel, serve those in need. Any of those things in your life? Any of those three things? Are you serving others? Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you teaching God's word? At the very least, you should be doing it in your home, friends. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
On Wednesday, uh, Kathy and I, we celebrated 15 years of marriage. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't do a whole lot Wednesday. I mean, like, uh, we, we usually go out for our anniversary, and, and Wednesday night we didn't. Uh, I had a wrestling meet down in, at Oak Park, and, uh, and so I didn't get back till late, and so we didn't go out. And then Friday I had a wrestling tournament uh, here locally, and then uh, so we made plans for Saturday night to go down to Kansas City and got a babysitter and all that good stuff. And I asked some of you, where, where should I take Kathy for dinner? And you all told me this place or that place. And so I made reservations. And, and, um, but I, I had a wrestling tournament in the morning. And then I had, had Dave's and, and Karen's, David and Karen's wedding. I almost said funeral there. Um, <laughs> wedding, wedding. And, uh, but and then I, I did a hospital visit afterward, after their wedding, and then I came home, and the, you know, on Friday night, I left this wrestling tournament and saw a car drive off the road because of the snow, and I, you know, I, I didn't know what the weather was going to do last night, so I just said, Kathy, why don't we just say locally, not go down to Kansas City, and, you know, I just would rather not have uh, to worry about that, you know, and she goes, that sounds good, and she goes, actually, matter of fact, if you, I know you've had a long couple of days, if you just want to just cancel, I said, heck no, we got a babysitter, get, let's get rid of these hooligan kids and go do something, you know, and like, I, I say all that to say, like, I don't, you know, I know some of you, like, like you come to me, like, hey, I don't want to bother you about this, or, or I know you're busy, but, like, like I, I signed up for this, right? Like, God called me to be a pastor, and, like, I, I knew going in, and Kathy knew 15 years ago when she married me, this was a call that God had placed on my life. And, like, I, I love what I do. Like, it's life-giving to go to a wedding and officiate. Like I, I, I want to be at your hospital bedside when you're sick. Like I, it's not a burden for me. Like I've signed up for this. And so does Kathy. And she's not mad at me when I, when I have to leave and go do this. Or like I, I love the guys on my wrestling team. Well, most of them. And I, I, <laughs> I, I love my job. I love what I do, right? You shouldn't look at me and be like, man, I feel sorry for that guy. I, when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. But the Jews, they weren't, they weren't tired and weary because they had a long week at work. They weren't tired and weary because they didn't get up very much. They, you know, they weren't out of shape. They were tired and weary because Jesus said, you are like a sheep without a shepherd. They, they had shepherds. They had, they had, like the word shepherd means leader, spiritual leader. And they had these guys in their life. And yet, instead of being with the Jews and walking alongside of them in the valley of the shadow, I mean, like beside the still water, they were rather men who exasperated their people. If you don't believe me, look in verses 22 and 23 of this chapter. Jesus is healing a man that has been possessed by a demon. And Jesus is, is, is being told by these shepherds, these spiritual leaders, you're driving out this demon by the power of Satan. I mean, if, 
If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, cannot please these people, what do you think the average Joe, what do you think his chances are of pleasing them? I mean, can you imagine how exasperating it must have been to be underneath their leadership? I mean, they couldn't do anything, right? I mean, if they're not happy with Jesus, can you imagine what you'd be like if you were there, underneath there? Last Sunday, uh, Ryan, our, our student minister, Ryan, preached his very first sermon, and he did an excellent job, did he not? Just, I mean, yeah, you can give him a applause. Yeah. Listen. Everywhere we've gone this week, Ryan has just basically just gotten patted on the back. We went to the hospital on Wednesday, and the little old ladies were just singing his praises. The nurses were taking rose petals and laying them at his feet, you know. <laughs> and just, I mean, he, he, he just, everybody has told him he's done a really good job. And he did. He did a phenomenal job. And, uh, but imagine just for a second, if I were at this corner over here writing notes and just saying, well, he did this good, but really he said this wrong at minute, minute 10. He, he said this and he should have said that. He said this so many times. He said, um, I mean, um, what if I, what if I just kept track of all the, if I kept record of wrong? And I, instead of like saying, hey, you did a good job, you, really, you, you did okay, but I mean, imagine if you got a promotion. He said, the only reason you got a promotion was because you played golf with the boss. Or imagine if you, if whenever you did something good, somebody turned it into a negative. And that negative, that person was your spiritual leader. I mean, at some point you'd be like, man, I, I'm doing the best I can, Pastor, but nothing seems to please you. And you would just get tired and weary of doing good doing what God had asked you to do. Because no matter what happens, you're just, it's not good enough. When Jesus saw these people, he had compassion on them. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. What does the harvest refer to here? The word is used 12 times throughout Scripture. And it's used in two different ways. One way refers to salvation, and the other way refers to judgment. A great example of this is actually in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. It reads, we, where we see a harvest of salvation and a harvest of judgment. The two, Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who, who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemies came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And then when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't, we, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and to pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow until the harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds 
and tied them in bundles to be burned, and then gather their wheat and bring them into my barn. Here we see a clear picture of two different types of harvest. One that's going to receive salvation, and the other that's going to receive judgment. One of the reasons Jesus had compassion on people, one of the reasons that Jesus went from town to town, to village to village, to synagogue to synagogue, was because Jesus knew better than anybody that it's either salvation or judgment. At the end of our life, we're going to receive one or two things, friends. Forgiveness or judgment. Grace or judgment. Forgiveness or judgment. God's wrath or God's grace. Which do you want? Jesus came so that you might experience God's grace and forgiveness. He went and he preached from town to town, village to village, so that, he, so that others might see that he is the Son of God, the Messiah. So they might escape God's judgment. Friends, we deserve it. To make no mistake about it, there's not one person here that's free from sin. Not one person, friends. We have all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And not one of us, under our own power, have the ability to escape God's judgment. We deserve it. Me more than anybody else. That's not just me being humble. That's biblically true, friends. God is going to judge me more harshly because of my role. And let me tell you, I, I, don't, I don't deserve it. But I've been given to it. been given it by God. It's a free gift, friends. It's by God's grace and his mercy that I've received eternal life. Not by my merit. The reason we preach the gospel, we teach, we serve those in need, is because judgment is coming. A judgment that no man will escape. A night will come, friends, when no man will work. And until that night cometh, it's our responsibility to go from town to town, village to village, synagogue to synagogue, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to teach God's word, to serve those in need. It's our responsibility to be mobile, to get off our butt and do what God has told us to do. This is why Jesus commands us to pray for workers. Verse 38, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord, to the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest, the command here is, is quite simple. Pray to God for harvesters. Pray to God to send out workers. Pray to God that, that men and women would go into this community, into this state, this country, and across the globe and teach God's word, proclaim the gospel, serve those in need. Prayer is the greatest tool that we are given that never gets used enough. Spurgeon famously said, he goes, if I had a choice between teaching 10 men, to pray, 10 men to preach and one man to pray, I would choose one man to pray. I would teach one man to pray. 
It's a tool that we just, it never gets used enough, friends. And there's so much power in it. At one o'clock today, we're going we're gonna to start a, a time of prayer for our church, for our community. 24 hours of prayer for 2024. And if you don't know what to, to pray for, maybe you take some leadership from Jesus and pray that God would send workers for the harvest. Maybe you, you pray for the 10 missionaries that are going to Ecuador a week from today. Maybe you, you pray for the, the Sunday school teachers that, that teach Sunday school on every Sunday. Or Ed and Sherry Murphy who are back there teaching children's church every Sunday. Or maybe you pray for Ryan who, and Megan who are leading our youth. Or Amy who is teaching our children. Or Kathy and the team that leads worship. Or Pastor Ken or myself who lead our church. Or maybe you pray for yourself and your role in the kingdom of God. Maybe you allow for yourself to hear the Lord and his message for you, to repent of sin, to follow after him, be faithful, to be true, to go and to be mobile, town to town, village to village, synagogue to synagogue. You know, I, uh, I, I said last week that this year is going to be important for our church, and I just really just feel that pressure on my heart that we have a, an important year ahead of us. And it, I love this statement from Lauren today. It's, it's not 80% or 20% doing 80%. It's going to take 100% participation. And not just in some sort of um, capital campaign, but rather in accomplishing the mission of our church to love God, love others, and to serve the world. We need you. The workers, they're few, friends. But the harvest, it is plentiful. If you don't believe me, just look around. Lord God, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity that we have today to gather together in this place and to worship you. Father, I pray that as we come to a point of response in our, in our service, that you would allow for us to hear from you. Um, but I can't help but to think that there is somebody in this room today that has yet to escape God's judgment. That they're living a life that is centered around themselves, 
that is yet to proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their own life. Before they can go from village to village, city to city, synagogue to synagogue, they need to first proclaim Jesus Christ in their own life. Lord, if that person today would do that, we would love to help them. I would love to be able to talk with them and to pray for them and to help them in their relationship with you, to help them get started in the right direction, in the right path. Lord, would you would, if you would, penetrate their heart right now and speak to them in a way that only you can. Lord, we pray for the believer that's here that may be struggling or maybe recognizes in their own life that they're not being very mobile, that they're not going from town to town, they're not serving, they're not teaching, they're not sharing the gospel with others. I pray, Lord, that you would allow for them to recognize steps that they need to take in their own life to be faithful and true to the calling that you've placed in their life. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and we know that you are loving and kind. And God, we know that you sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins. So, Father, I pray that today we would cling to that cross and allow for our time of response to bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.